Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. On today's show, we're talking about functional obsolescence. Back in the day, houses were built to last hundreds of years. My family owned a 13th century farmhouse in Tuscany. It's still standing. The house that my father grew up in on the island of Rhodes dates back to the time of the Knights of St. John. We estimate that the house he grew up in was built in the late 1400s. It's hard to wrap your mind around a house that old. How many generations of families lived in that house? I visited the house. It was renovated about 20 years ago with an amazing garden courtyard, new windows, new doors, new plumbing, but the original structure was not touched. As a heritage property, there's strict rules around what improvements can be done. You can't even move a single brick without permission. Over the past 10 years, I've been redeveloping buildings that were built in the early 1900s. I'm thinking of the ones in Chicago that were built in the range of 1921 to 1927. Most of them I was able to salvage and restore to their former glory. Same in Philadelphia. In a few cases, buildings were too far gone and had to be demolished. But these houses and apartments were amazing. They had tons of character, and they're still going strong after 100 years. Fast forward to the houses that were built in the 1970s and 1980s. Some of these houses were built with new techniques that were not well proven. Some of those techniques turned out to be bad ideas. Think back to aluminum wiring and urea formaldehyde insulation. We've seen new approaches to moisture and exterior cladding being adopted. Some are great and others, well, not so much. The synthetic stucco materials have fallen out of favor and homes that were built with those materials are experiencing significant capital expenditures. We're seeing older buildings also face major capital expenditures. I'm thinking of the older garden-style low-rise condominium townhouse complexes. Many of those properties are seeing major projects for windows, doors, roofs, and HVAC. Some properties have faced major special assessments and massive increase in their monthly condo fees. And then finally, we've got a number of mid-rise and high-rise buildings being scrutinized in the wake of the failure of the Champlain Tower in Surfside, just north of Miami Beach. The building was only 40 years old. Many of the components in the buildings often have a useful life of only 20 to 30 years. Nationwide, more than half of all the condo buildings have, are at least 30 years old. In the Miami area, the proportion of old condo buildings is one of the highest in the country. More than two-thirds of all the buildings in the Miami area are more than 30 years old. Now, 30 isn't very old for a condo building. But condo boards have a bad habit of deferring maintenance. They don't like issuing special assessments to unit owners involving spending millions of dollars to make repairs. Now, we know that the demand for new housing is based on population growth and migration and household formation. We know that household formation happens when the kids grow up and they move out. It also happens when people separate and get divorced. But the other and often looked demand for new housing is housing obsolescence. This is difficult to quantify. Most cities don't report demolition permit activity. We don't know how quickly properties are being retired and they're going to need to be replaced with new product in the market. What we do know is that many of these properties will achieve obsolescence at about the same time. The number of housing starts over the past 50 years in the U.S. has averaged about a million and a half housing starts a year. Some years it's been as high as two and a half million and some years as low as half a million. But we've gone through a period of more than a decade where the number of new builds have averaged well below a million units. That's significantly below the long-term average. That would imply a shortfall of about 5 million units compared with average demand. There's a lot of pent-up demand for new product. Now, if the useful lifespan of a modern building is 70 years, 
you can expect that many of the buildings constructed in the 1950s are going to need to be redeveloped in the near future. Some of those buildings, built in the 60s, will need major retrofits or they're going to need to be demolished. It all depends on how the buildings have been maintained. Even some of the 1970s buildings are looking pretty tired at this point. For example, some of the buildings that are near the beach, like the one that collapsed, will be suffering a shortened lifespan due to the effects of the salt environment. Building obsolescence doesn't appear in any of the analysis that I'm seeing reported in the statistics. When you evaluate the balance of supply and demand, one of the overlooked factors is quality. You just can't look at a vacancy rate and determine whether the market has excess supply. Generally, if a market's oversupplied, it's because there's been an exodus of population or there's been a lot of new product introduced into the market. I don't have all the answers on this one, but I'm definitely seeing cases where the traditional market models are not modeling the retirement of older product from the market. And this is something to study some more in the coming weeks and months. As you think about that, have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. I'll talk to you again tomorrow.